0: All right, guys, this is our wrap-up to Ephesians, and I thought we'd talk a little bit about Ephesians 6 and then kind of look at the wrap-up of Ephesians as a whole. Yeah. Within Ephesians 6, I thought you took an interesting approach because uh, I think most preachers gravitate directly towards the armor of God, and you seem to focus on the spiritual battle that's taking place around us. I just wondered, like, do you have any further thoughts around the armor of God or the spiritual powers of darkness?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not really sure exactly why the message went in the direction that it did, because the armor of God is all absolutely right there. But I guess as I, as I came to prepare it, I was, I, I hoped that the prompting of the Holy Spirit just led me towards that focus around the schemes of the devil. That phrase in verse 11 just really captured me of taking our stand against the devil's schemes. And I guess I was struck by the reality that in this day and age, I think for even for Christians, believing in the devil, being aware of Satan and his power and the way that he works is not something that we tend to emphasize. Um, maybe in uh, certain traditions and certain churches that's emphasized more, but I think by many evangelicals it's not. But I thought there was a real need to recover a bit of that and just talk about mm-hmm. how real the enemy is and how real the battle is. And I guess what I wanted to do is give people that sense that the the struggles that we face and the challenges that we we encounter in life, they're multifaceted. And yes, there are psychological things we can point to and economic things and all of that. but behind all of those things, there is there are real powers, real forces of darkness, and there is a real personal enemy who stands against us and stands against the plans of God. And I, I think uh, you know if, if we neglect that or we 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 don't take that seriously, we really become quite naive, and then I think we leave ourselves open to attack. We make ourselves very vulnerable spiritually, and and I just know in my own life, and I, and I know, and even in the experience of putting that message together, and I've had this before, you know, sermons that come along, and you're talking about these things, and you're talking about the devil. They are hard sermons, like in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. That was that was a that was a tough week for me, just personally, putting that together. And I felt like I came through a bit of a spiritual battle and a spiritual valley myself, even just coming through to Sunday morning. So people don't necessarily see that, but it just reinforced to me that the, the battle is very real, and these these forces and powers are very real. And I, I felt a bit of that personally, which just reaffirmed to me exactly what you know, Paul is saying here, we've got to take our stand against the devil's schemes. So that was a little bit of the thinking behind my message. Yeah. Hmm.
2: I guess I found that message was really helpful, just to remind me again of some of the things that do go on in the spiritual world. You know, I, I can think of some situations where I've had people I know where it's like the devil made me do it, and, and they attribute everything mm-hmm. to the devil. You know, I, I have a cold, so therefore it must yeah. be the devil. Sort of thing. A, a, and so you get that sort of extreme. I think from for our church's point of view, it's probably the the, the other way, and that we uh, we don't acknowledge that some of the spiritual forces as as much as what we probably could but i enjoyed the message here because i think it gave good balance the fact that yes there are human elements in terms of what is going on and that uh as uh, as fallen believers that we naturally have a tendency to fall into sin and that is something that is going to happen wherever but there's also a genuine spiritual element as well and that there are those powers of the devil those schemes of the devil that are real that we don't see and I don't think we fully understand, and this was a, a helpful reminder of those things that do take place on a day-to-day basis um, and that we need to be aware of them. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I, and I just think too, on, on that issue of the armor of God, even though I didn't really touch on it very much in the message, it's a really valuable thing for, for any of us, any, any Christian, just to go through those verses. It really is um, from about verse 14, isn't it? And just look through those individual pieces of the armor of God, Just reflect on each of those and what it is that we have in Christ, you know, salvation and righteousness and the gospel and all these things and how important those things are. And just to continue to reflect on those, continue to thank God and to stand firm upon the reality of each of those pieces of our spiritual armor so you could go into a lot more depth on any one of them. Each of them could have been a sermon in its own right. But I guess that's for people to do you know, in in their own individual time is to reflect on those. And and there's connections back into the Old Testament and so on with them. But uh, the the only point I guess I really wanted to make is that ultimately they're not not all just things that we're to run off and do in a legalistic sense. These are things that God does for us. These These are promises that he's made and things he's provided for us to protect us. But we've still got to put them on. You know, yeah. We're still commanded. Yeah. We, we've got to put that armor on and, and claim that and cling to those promises and, and really be reminded of those things and stand firm in that spiritual armor. But um, yeah, I'd encourage anyone just to keep looking into those things because there's a lot of depth there.
0: I appreciate that I I did appreciate the message I do think that we live in a society that likes to explain things away Mm, yeah totally especially in the spiritual sense we like we like to take that scientific approach to explain everything within the physical world Mm. in the physical realm that however you believe creation and the universe and all that's taking place you have to allow for the fact that uh, there's a spiritual component to what's Mm. placed Mm. within the world that we live, yep. and that's definitely what we get out of the scriptures. Yep.
2: I guess before we move out of chapter 6, it would just be good to go back and pick up some of those things in the first part of chapter 6 about that relationship within the family and even that relationship within um, the whole situation that it talks about bond servants and masters, mm. and just reminding me again of, and I know this sort of goes all the way up back up to chapter 5 about submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. And just how all of our relationships that we're involved in, whether that be as uh, parents to their children, uh, husbands to their wives, wives to their husbands, uh, those that we might come into interaction with uh, in the workplace, in the home, wherever it may be, is the underlying principle is that we are to submit to one another in reverence to Christ. Mm. And that um, I think at times we can miss that point so much that ultimately... The way as parents, I have good relationships with my children, is because of the relationship I have with Christ, mm. and that that is just that foundation that is so important in mm. those opening passages of chapter 60.
1: Yeah, and and I enjoy just looking at all of that in the context that Paul wrote it into as well, where relationships within this world, within the Roman world, were so hierarchical. It was such a such a class based society, and there was such a steep ladder. If everyone knew their point on the ladder. Everyone looked down at everyone else that was below them on the ladder. And you were very conscious of where you were relative to everyone else in that in that world. And just the way that, that Paul and the gospel really just flips all that on its head. Um, well, not so much flips on its head. I, I, I've heard of it described as, you know, there was this great big ladder, the social hierarchy of the Roman world. And the gospel comes along and turns the whole ladder on its side and then lifts it up. And I thought that was pretty good, you know, that everyone's equal. It's good not analogy. that it's turned on its head, because it's not that the ones that were powerful become last, or someone that goes to the top and someone's still at the bottom. It's that everyone now is equal, and everyone's equally blessed, everyone's equally invited into the kingdom of God and the family of God. And so when you come into these relationships here, yeah, there is just absolute equality, even though you still have slaves and masters there where there's that real power differential going on, still somehow equal brothers and sisters in Christ, parents and children, even though obviously there is a power differential there, and there needs to be, but still equal in Christ, still equally part of the family of God. So that's what just struck me in those relationships, one after another, just the way in which the gospel is is so radical and just comes in and, and just changes the nature of relationships as they were understood. And I think that has had repercussions on throughout history in the way that some of these early values that Paul and, and Christ himself, of course. Um, planted have continued to be embraced by culture more and more in Western society, but were so radically different to the world that they came out of. But the Judeo Christian tradition is responsible for so many of these values around equality and the equal dignity of all people. So that uh, was just really pressed on my heart in the course of preparing those messages. Yeah.
0: We'd like to think that we don't live in a hierarchical society today. Right. But. You know, we still deal with our own insecurities mm. and our own pride mm. and wanting to dominate or want to help people see that we're in charge yep. or that we we have some capacity over someone else or that we're better or we've done things better. Mm. So there's still this sense mm. of hierarchical mm. yeah. capacity to our society today. Yeah, totally. And the only way that changes is if Christ has transformed our hearts with humility. Yeah with the gospel message yeah. of
1: loving yeah. one another. Yeah, so true. And and even within in Christian circles sometimes, we still seem to go back to the old ways of hierarchies and, and the the social platforms that we put certain people on. I mean the, the culture of Christian celebrity I think is terrible. Well we all know you're in church, <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. I'm at the bottom of the ladder, whatever ladder <laughs> it is, yeah. But you know, it does it does maybe wonder sometimes, you know. Christians sometimes seem to be the worst. We we buy into the celebrity culture, just like anyone else, you know, and we run after the people who are the best known, the ones that write all the books and run the conferences and have the biggest churches, and and that's fine, and they've got great things to say. But you know, ultimately, Scripture is our authority. We're all equal, brothers and sisters. We just, we don't need to buy into the ways of the world. You know, we're all one in Christ, and I think that's this Ephesians just brings us back to that reality. But you make a good point. It's so easy to default back, even in a kind of Christian way, default back to that worldly hierarchical
0: way of thinking. Totally. So what were some of the highlights that really stuck out to you as you preached through the book? Well, so you, before you first, season, I think yeah.
2: to, to me one of the things that came out time and time again that's so strong is that aspect of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think for me that that's probably the thing that I walk away from from Ephesians, being reminded about the most strongly, is how much Paul prayed for people, uh, even though he was in a difficult situation even though he would have been expecting people to be praying for him, his response was to be in an attitude of prayer. You could just about summarise Ephesians by saying it's a book about Paul's prayer. Mm. Mm. Uh, Just so critical as far as he was concerned was to be praying for other people. And, And I think for me, it reminded me that I don't spend as much time in prayer as what I should. And that if Paul needed to spend time in prayer and praying for others around him, I need to be in it a lot more as well.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. well said. Yeah. I I think for me, perhaps just the bigness of the gospel in Ephesians, particularly in those first few chapters, and just the way that Paul paints this incredible picture, and it still staggers me that he wrote this from a prison cell, but just paints this picture of how huge the gospel is. Because I think that um, often we Christians, we evangelical Christians, we can reduce the gospel down to something that's just my own personal relationship with Jesus and my soul going to heaven when I die. And of course, the gospel is nothing less than that. That's absolutely the heart of it. But I think you can't read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 and not realize it's a whole lot more than that as well, that you've got this incredibly huge picture of what God is doing from eternity past when we were chosen in Christ through to in the present where we're brought into the family of God and brought into the church through to the future where God is going to bring all things to unity in heaven and on earth under Christ. And then this great cosmic picture, and you got this fun passage to preach, Michael, about yeah. the church somehow, even in the present, speaking the manifold wisdom of God to the powers and authorities in the heavenly realms, and just that reminder that there's an awful lot more going on than what we realize even now. It's not just this small little thing, but the, the story is huge. The gospel is huge. So I was just... Yeah, blown away again, I think, by that. But then the way that it all comes down to a very practical level. Like, Paul doesn't just stay up in that space. Then he's like, right, let's talk about husbands and wives. Let's talk about parents and children. Let's talk about slaves and masters. And the beauty of the gospel coming right down to ground level as well. Here's how it actually works itself out on the ground. So I love that. Big picture, small picture, all kind of woven together.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating how Paul can take that big universe type of picture and bring it right down to your practical... How do yeah. you live out your faith day yeah. to day? Yep. Yeah. And and he does that through all of his epistles, really, mm. all of his letters. Yep, yeah, absolutely. The yeah. bigness of God and the practicality of how you live that out.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, and I guess for Paul, you know, he's thinking of these Christians that he knew, you know, as he's writing this letter. I guess he had particular people in mind, names and faces, you know, in these churches around the place. And so, so I always find it helpful to think, you know, he was writing to real people, his friends, you know, in these churches and, and trying to help them. Actually, live out the gospel. It wasn't just this kind of big-picture, theoretical stuff. Like he really had to make it work on the ground. Even though he wasn't with them, he wanted them to grow in their faith. And so it's it's a letter written from the heart of a pastor, I think, to his people.
0: And to write that optimistically when you're sitting in a prison cell, (laughs) when we struggle with our minor little details of life. No, exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'd just be writing Lamentations
2: (laughs) from a prison cell. Yeah. Very good. Anything else you'd like to add? Just the fact that the gospel changes the way that we live. Mm. And, um, you know, Reuben's already talked about how big the gospel is and all that's involved in the gospel. But if you look at the second half of Ephesians, because of the bigness of the gospel, it means that we live different lives as as Christians. Mm. And so therefore, because of the way that God has shown his love towards me, I therefore live a transformed life in response to that. Mm. And um, the Apostle Paul gave some practical examples of how to do that. But the reason that I live this or sort the of life I live, that is hopefully honoring God and glorifying God, is simply a response to the bigness of this gospel. God has loved me. I love him. So therefore, I want to live it out on a day to day basis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and, and for me, I'd just say at a practical level, keep reading Ephesians because there's so much. Even in the courses of these podcasts and all the sermons we've preached, that we haven't covered in detail, you know, so many other little gems in there, so many other little hidden verses, you know, hidden treasures tucked away there in some of these verses, that I think, like the rest of Scripture, but just in a in a really special way in Ephesians, it never gets old. And God's always got more to reveal to us. So uh, that's the beauty of Scripture. It's just unlike any other book. There's always more truth to to learn and to absorb. Always new insights. I mean, I've I've come back to it and learned new things, fresh things through this series. So I think you know, it's it's for all of us just to keep on coming back to back to these passages of Scripture that in some ways might be familiar, but God's always got more to teach us and more to do in us and transform us through through His Word as well. Yeah. So it's been
0: a fun series. And Paul left us with this phrase kind of towards the end in verse 18. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I love that passage. Mm. Just to live with this alertness yep. that uh, more is going on than what we realize yep. sometimes. And then, like you said, Michael, to wrap everything up in prayer. So, mm.
2: yep.
0: Michael, would you like to close us out in prayer?
2: Yeah, let's pray. Father, we just... Do just want to thank you so much for the truth of the gospel that we read about in the book of Ephesians, and we know that Paul understood the fullness of Christ. He understood fully what Jesus Christ had accomplished upon the cross, and that led to a life devoted to God and a life of holiness, Lord. And Father, I just pray in the same way as we reflect back upon what we've learned from Ephesians that we would again be re- renewed and encouraged and refreshed. By all that you've done for us. And may that be shown in the way that we live our lives. May we want to live a life that glorifies you, honours you, and that people can be imitators of us because we are imitators of God. Father, transform our lives. Help us to live in a way that honours you. We ask Amen. and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.